Coming up on Verse, Chorus, Verse, Evil. Remember when I said that we were done with album exchanges this year? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. I lied. I lied. Remember when I said I wouldn't give you more album exchanges? I lied. That's... I'm really good at Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, how are you feeling today? Welcome to episode 87. I feel, I actually feel fine unless I stand up and walk eight paces. And then to steal a term that I think you told me, I basically feel like I'm breathing through (laughs) jello. It sucks. Yuck. Do you think that when you got the really bad cough thing that it was COVID? I, it's highly likely that it's correlated because it's happened to me a couple of times since the beginning of COVID. What happens is I get this lingering cough. I haven't had like the deep, I can't breathe symptoms that some people have, but I'll just get this cough that will not yeah. go away. For those of you that don't know by now, the other man talking, I am DL. That's <laughs> evil. Jake led Jimmy. <laughs> He got over his cough just in time for me to... I made fun of you so much, and I think it's karma, because I've had two separate coughs since yours. Have at you. (laughs) My fault. (laughs) (laughs) It's throwing me off. We're recording not quite evening on a Tuesday. I know. I'm all... like My notes are all jumbled, and I feel it's like weird, so hopefully... I'm I'm like still getting work emails. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody that listens from work... It is, let's see, we'll say seven at night. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We are doing a good old-fashioned album exchange. We actually had an interview set up for this episode, which did not pan out this year. Big shocker to anybody in the music industry. This person had an album set to release, which got put on hold for about a half a year. So we decided, let's just wait till next year. We'll interview you then when your album actually comes out. We kind of have done a last minute album exchange and it actually works out because I was thinking weeks ago when this happened that, you know, what kind of started this whole thing was album exchanges. And we did maybe three of them this year. Mm. I like doing these. It's really refreshing to be able to just concentrate on one album. Yeah. That's it. And not in the context of like, this is one of the greatest of all time. 10 out of 10, you know, just sort of like lower pressure, I guess. That's a very, that's what it is. Yeah. Is that you aren't Mm -hmm. walking into great. Now I have to learn three biographies about David Bowie (laughs) before I, yeah. You're putting on the album, you're listening to it. Half the time, the Wikipedia's on that album are like fucking half a page. Here's who wrote it. Boom, bang, bam. You're done. I like that. It's just up to the music at that point. Right. So let's go ahead and get into the albums. Before we do, just leave a bunch of time for music talk. We got to talk about the most important part of the night. What are we drinking? I'm going to start because I'm boring. You already heard it. I've still got COVID. My (laughs) tests are just all positive. So I'm kind of playing the why fuck with it card and I'm just drinking water. Pounding water for the next week. And that's how it's got a smart choice. Yeah, that's how it's got to be. What sucks, Evil, is that I had just kind of made that. I've got the TikTok videos every day. And I had just kind of made that promise to myself that every single morning I was getting up, I was going to do my workouts and I'm going to do my 10 second reviews. And then I think it was like two days after you and I got done with our last episode. Suddenly I I can't fucking run or work out right now. (laughs) So I've just been going on walks instead. But... 
I also, I made a deal with you without even asking you. I just implied that you were going to do it from now on. Huh. That you would give me <laughs> one pointer right. as a trainer during this whole 10 second review, look, I'm going to work out every day thing. So do you have anything specifically geared towards people that have trouble? Back when I was training every day and actually a good athlete, there's a lot of mental issues with something's always going to get in your way at some point, mm -hmm. right? You're going to mm -hmm. get the flu. Do you have any pointers yeah. that are geared towards what happens when something throws a spoke in, what is it? <laughs> throws a thing in your spokes? I don't know. <laughs> throws a wrench into your monkey. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think that is where having a long-term training regimen lined out is helpful. So what if I miss a day? I'm going to be back on in, you know, a day or two or a week or whatever. You just know where you're going to pick back up instead of, I don't like the word workout because that implies that you're just, I'm working out. Well, what is that? I like the term training because training okay. implies you've planned. Working toward a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When I was working with clients, they would come in like, I want you to write a real hard workout for me today. And I'm like, I don't know if that's the best thing for you today. I think we should just stick to the training plan. Think more long-term. Think of it more as like, this is just something that I do. Make it habitual versus all about what are you going to do on this one particular day? Because in the reality is no one workout or training session is going to have dynamic long-term impact it's all about yeah. like sticking with it over the long term it's a marathon it's not a sprint hey oh yeah <laughs> perfect so yeah <laughs> well uh that's what i'm drinking little <laughs> we might have gone off the rails a little bit but that's okay what are you drinking evil i am drinking a new kentucky straight bourbon whiskey um Ooh. the distillery i think is called rabbit hole and this is their Cave Hill. It's a new one to me. I think it's a fairly new whiskey maker on the market. This one... Ooh, I like the bottle. It's, it's good. Yeah, it's super cool. What's interesting to me about it is the distiller, I guess you would call him. He's trying some different things. He's like, bourbon's... I love bourbon. And he like moved to Kentucky to do this. So it's based out of Kentucky? Yeah, he moved there. Okay. He's like, if I'm going to make bourbon, I got to move to Kentucky. But yeah. he's he's doing some different things. So this is a it's a four grain small batch. It's seventy percent corn, ten percent malted wheat, ten percent malted barley, and ten percent honey malted barley. Ooh. In all caps, never chill filtered as it should be. That's on the bottle. And it's good. It's a little higher proof, forty seven point five percent. 95 proof. Hey yeah, it looks like they kind of do the whole Johnny Walker, like they have the different colored label yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So it's good. Uh, I enjoy it. I'll have to give it a try. Yep. That's what we're drinking tonight. We got to get to it. We got a lot to dissect on these two albums. We'll take a break. We'll be back. We are back. This week... I gave evil origin of symmetry by muse. So origin of symmetry was released in June of 2001. It is their second album, their sophomore album showbiz being their first album. It's a crisp, cool 50 minutes. 
led to, of course, their much more famous albums. This is kind of pre-famous Muse. Two years fresh off of their emerging artists at Woodstock 99, which we've already talked about. <laughs> God, for- I've repressed the memories of talking about that, and I forgot <laughs> that they were on the emerging artist stage there. Evil, I think your relationship with Muse, I would guess that there's specific songs you know, but not albums? Uh, y- yes and no. I'm a Muse fan. Okay. I think they are musically capable of pure genius. Yeah. And there are a couple albums that I really like, but I don't, I'm not super familiar with their entire catalog. Got it. The next album that came out after this, which was Absolution, is by far, I'd say, their most famous. That's the one that had Time is Running Out on it and all that. Yeah, um, yeah. What's odd about Muse, though, is they've gotten way, way bigger. Way bigger. Over time, yeah. like they're full-on arena rock they have been for probably their last three or four albums i wanted to give this to you for two reasons i wanted to give this to you because number one we are about to talk about a new album that they just came out with in our next quickfire reviews and the differences between what they are now and what they were then is fucking uncanny stark (laughs) (laughs) and then two i've heard you talk positively about specific songs of Muse. And this was kind of my, you know, if there was an album that I think Evil would really like of theirs, it would probably be this one. Hmm. Okay. Let me preface this because I know there are some rabid Muse fans out there. And I know this for a lot of them is at the top of their list. Yeah. We've already done them as a band dissection. I did it with Sven and this, this is actually my favorite Muse album, which is shocking to me. (laughs) (laughs) But I've I've had some revelations, and I didn't have to go into black holes to find those revelations. Uh. Uh, <laughs> what I've kind of realized, albums I'm most familiar with are Black Holes and Revelations and Drones. Those are the two. Okay. And I, I really like those albums. So when I started like looking at where does this rank and in, in like the fandom and stuff, Drones is down on the list. It's yeah. pretty low. And I'm yeah. like, what? Okay. <laughs> Black Holes and Revelations is usually towards the top. And this one's like usually number one or number two. Mm-hmm. And when I first listened to it, I'm like, really? It just, <laughs> I, not the, and, I, and I'm not saying that because I thought it was bad. It just didn't grab me. And this is what I realized is... This is kind of ironic because one of the bands that they've perennially been compared to is Queen. Yes. And we've talked about how we're not really fans of Queen albums, albums. but if their greatest hits is like one of the greatest hits of all time. Absolutely. And I think I feel that way about Muse as well. Mm. So, and I listed some that I'm like, these are some of the best songs ever. Knights of Cydonia, that yeah. song is just epic. That was the first Muse song I ever heard. God, and, was it really? Yeah, that was the first song I'd ever heard. Wow. Uprising's great. Starlight's great. They have great hits. Hysteria's great. Mm-hmm. I actually really like the track Madness off of The Second Law, which seems to be just universally hated by, I like by it the too. fandom. I like it. But that song has one of the most tasty guitar solos. Very. Out of nowhere. Yep. Have you seen the Jack Black's reaction video to that? No. Jack Black has a reaction video to that solo where he's like, it's just him on his phone. And he's like, I was listening to YouTube, came across this, and suddenly they're throwing out the tastiest guitar solo ever. (laughs) And he just starts like doing his facial expression. 
you got to check it out. It's hilarious. I I probably made the same face when I heard that song the first (laughs) time because it's it's like out of left anyway. Yeah. So Bellamy is he is capable of guitar work that I just love. My favorite song of theirs is Reapers. That song is that guitar solo. The guitar (laughs) solo in that is unreal. The guitar through the whole song is it's like some some Van Halen tapping there right. and it's, I'm not going <laughs> to, but it is. No, you're absolutely it, right. So now that you're telling me your favorites of muse, I can see where, so this is pre muse being arena rock. Yeah. This is a guitar, a bass and drums. Yes. And that's it. My first listen through, I didn't hate it, but I was just sort of like, okay. I had to dig in for the long haul because it's the first time I've heard any of these songs. Yeah, there weren't really any. Pop, so I had to kind of like. Not in America. So that was interesting. And then seeing how this was such a highly rated album. And then I realized, well, maybe this is one of their best I gotcha. overall albums. What I found was a lot of the songs grew on me after, you know, several spins. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm starting to see how and why this is ranked so highly in the fandom. It also helps when you, you know, for me, when I started focusing more on this album and I started focusing on who produced it in David Bottrell and John Leckie, they're both such mm-hmm. spacey. David Bottrell, he's done Peter Gabriel, Smashing Pumpkins, yeah. Rush. John Leckie did XTC, Radiohead, The Stone Roses. So when you hear those sort of band names, you don't think... I mean, sure, Rush had arena rock, but they weren't your typical fucking arena rock, you know? No. (laughs) No. So it kind of makes sense when you start hearing names like Smashing Pumpkins and Stone Roses that they were working on a much different type of... The big thing that this album is to me, it's not the most well thought out album. It really isn't. And it's not like Mm -hmm. this isn't a 10 out of 10 album for me. This album has so many fucking riffs on it. Yes, yes. That are just beasts. Well... There are songs that I don't like on it and have stuff that I'm just like, ugh. And then just like in Madness, out of nowhere, there's some guitar thing that hits me that I'm like, yeah, he is capable of just genius from out of nowhere. Absolutely. And it was, it would salvage it for me. I think what helps him a lot is how classically trained he was. Yeah. He, yeah. he grew up really heavy into the classic arts, but it was funny because he didn't really like, he loves classical music, but he, he was into the Van Halen's when he was a kid mm-hmm. and the, you know, like when you're that trained in classical music, but then you have the rock love inside right. of you, yeah. you're going to write, really fucking cool stuff. And I think the only reason that he's able to do what he does, which at times on this album is brilliant at times. It is a little one dimensional, but the only fucking reason is because Wollstenholm (laughs) is an entire, and I'm not saying anything about bad, about Dominic Howard. He is a great drummer. I love how, for how off the wall Bellamy is, he really has to keep it on the one, on the one. Yeah. But Wollstenholm becomes this whole like three-part rhythm section on his own. Mm-hmm. It's fucking crazy what he does to let Bellamy do what he does. As I was listening to this album more and more, it made me realize that Bellamy's the front man, he's the vocals, and his guitar work is is just insane. Reapers, I think that's one of the best rock songs of the last 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. But Wollstenholm is what makes Muse sound like Muse. Absolutely. To me. 
Like a hundred percent. This was still back in the time. This was 2001. So this yeah. was still yeah. back when people were fucking going to watch him live, just trying to figure out what his fucking pedal board was. Yeah. He was coming up with shit that you didn't hear a bunch of. Mm-hmm. And that's why with songs like the first song, Newborn, mm-hmm. where, you know, it starts with the really pretty piano and Bellamy's doing his falsetto thing. <laughs> And all of a sudden it cuts into that heavy, heavy guitar and bass riff. <laughs> but with Wollstenholm, Wollstenholm knew that, okay, so we've got this super heavy riff here that we're both just cranking on, but eventually Bellamy's got to go back to singing and doing mm-hmm. his weird high notes. Yep. I have to still sound like I'm three fucking instruments here. Right. You said it the best. That's what makes Muse sound like Muse. It really is. Yeah. One of the places where I do concede that this is not a perfect album is that it can be very one dimensional. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not every song, but a lot of the songs have a very similar setup. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to like Citizen Erased or Plug in Baby or Bliss or Newborn, they all kind of have the whole, they're based on this amazing riff. Bellamy's going to go in during the verse and he's going to do his thing. They have a cool chorus. Wollstenholm's going to shine. His vocals at this time could grate on me. Me too. By track two, Bliss, which I, I went track by track. This is the first album that I've actually, these are my notes for this particular track because I was so unfamiliar with it. I had to do that. Mm-hmm. Intro was great. Newborn's great. Um, I really enjoyed the interplay between the three of them. Mm-hmm. as a band bliss was a very muse sounding song to me yeah with the shimmery keys through it but his vocals he does this thing where he just like fills the space with those warbly vocals mm-hmm. sometimes it's a little much i agree and by the time that rolled into space dementia i'm like i don't like this song because he's over singing this song my last listen and prep for this that song started growing on me because there's other stuff in there that's so killer i mean i listen to this this album I think I'm just now starting to get it I completely agree with Bellamy particularly in this album and actually we're going to talk about this in the album that you gave me a little bit is that the band was a little bit too young to where just like Mm. what you said Bellamy just constantly felt like he was having to fill space yeah because if in space dementia if he would just let his piano do the work in the breakdowns where they're doing the kind of the crescending chords wasn't doing his weird little falsetto moaning the whole time and they were just letting it do its thing i think it would have been amazing but i still even with space dementia his fucking piano part in that is crazy Who plays piano like that in a fucking rock song? (laughs) Right. (laughs) That piano playing in that track is some of the most obvious. Oh, this guy's a musician. It's some of the most... He has been trained. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
knows what he's doing. And then right after Space Dimension, you get to Hyper Music, yeah. which is the exact opposite, which is right. just this three note pounding the bass and the guitar yeah, yeah. sort of song. I really like that track. But there's something about this album. There's a lot of stuff that sounds really familiar. Hyper music. I love that intro riff, especially when Rage Against the Machine wrote it a couple years earlier. Oh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but then it goes into like this killer bass groove and then it becomes Muse. Yes. I mean, this was their second album. They're still yeah. fine of their way. I agree. And I do think that a lot of the songs are set up for... There's an amazing part in the song that everything else is set up for. Yeah, yeah. Well, Micro Cuts, I almost kind of feel like Bellamy was just like, I really want to play a Wurlitzer, so <laughs> we're going to just do this. But I do agree that it also in Micro Cuts is another one of those falsetto things oh, that dude. you're kind of like... It, I'm man. like, I'm over this song, and then the outro kicks in. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. They like brought it back yeah. for me. I'm like, okay. I completely agree. I liked Plug In Baby. That was the first song that I really enjoyed. That's a pretty killer first guitar. It is. <laughs> but then Citizen Erased, that feels like yeah. the epic track. It's like on par with Knights of Cydonia, The Globalist, Off of Drones. I love their epic stuff. One of the things that they really shine at is writing those truly epic tracks. And so it stuck out to me quite a bit. If I was going to give one person a riff to make them like Muse, it would be Plug In Baby. Yeah. And not just the guitar, too. He opens up and he's doing the guitar. When the bass and drums kick in, once again, Wollstenholm is <laughs> doing this bouncing like... Such a fucking amazing bass line. Yeah. I don't know how he comes up with it, but I do agree that I think Citizen Erased is more what they were going for, which is they want this grandiose, yeah. at times operatic. Yep. It worked on that track. Like it all came mm -hmm. together on that track for me. The gauged pickup guitar solo where he's just trying to get his notes to lower and rise without it's kind of Tom Morello. -ish. Yeah. hear the queen the radio head but i picked this up on the drones album i hear a ton of rage against the machine in their music listen to how he plays and you can hear a lot of tom morello-ish stuff in his playing i yeah i mean that's kind of this album it's simple it's not simple it's young mm -hmm. and i just like that it's i love arena rock muse i get very annoyed with arena rock muse <laughs> <laughs> but I also really like that this, you can tell this is just fucking Matt, Chris, and Dominic. And they yep. are just in the studio. Here are some fucking kick-ass riffs. Yeah. Let's get into some awards and categories. I'm sure we'll touch on some of the songs that we didn't talk about. The David Crosby Met Award for Bad Reviews. <laughs> this is a random Amazon customer, and it was reviewed in July of 2001. So oh, pretty, this is like, pretty close yeah. to it. Yeah. A month after they got it. First line I don't really get. Muse have never been quote unquote on the scene. And in my opinion, they never will be. <laughs> I mean, this is their first, right. second album. Okay. <laughs> it's not a hit. It's a disgrace. Even the title Origin of Symmetry. It sounds like an Italian opera, mm. not an album. If you even class it as a piece of music. I can't stand the voice of Mr. Bellamy. 
the high pitched cry. If you can spend twelve ninety nine on this, you might as well buy P Diddy's Rubbish Two. What? One star. That's it. Oh. And answer me two things. Why does Matt Bellamy try to imitate Tom York and fail miserably? And two, can you, without looking at the lyrics, understand anything he says? Didn't think so. One of his complaints is that Origin of Symmetry sounds like an Italian opera. That might be the weirdest complaint we've ever gotten. (laughs) I don't like the title. (laughs) Sorry, random Amazon customer. Just so you know, all British dudes sing with annoying falsetto. (laughs) It's not just they're required to. Yeah. (laughs) Awards and categories: Evil, the DMX Award. Wollstoneholm's bass makes them so much what they are. His bass playing pulls everything together, even at this early stage of their career, to make them sound like Muse for me. I completely agree. Wollstone, Home and Bellamy are, are a perfect duo. Yeah. It's a mixture of the bass sound and the Bellamy songwriting. Bellamy's always going to be soaked in classical music, mm-hmm. uh, which really helps the songwriting. Just the fact that this is, for a three-man band, it's so bombastic it's huge (laughs) yeah overrated underrated properly rated for me i would say that it is properly rated in both it's not massive and i think most people from my conversations during the the muse dissection we did they would probably call this about their third or fourth favorite okay which i think is fair Although they did just, they released the... I purposefully did not listen to that. I didn't want to... I love it when producers, when remixers do this because Mm -hmm. they didn't, it was very gentle. Oh, good. There were a few mixes and a few parts and songs where I like, we just needed this backup to be this much. You know what I mean? There was no, oh, here is the new guitar solo sponsored by Pepsi. Usually we say... Was it overrated, underrated, properly rated in its time versus currently? I have no idea in its time how it was received, so I I can't comment. I think it's properly rated currently because it seems like there are Muse super fans who hold it in super high regard. But like you said, like overall, most people kind of place it in probably the top half of their catalog. And I feel like that's where it belongs. I think it's where it should be. Influences and influencees. Well, we already talked about a lot of them. Yeah. Classical training, Rage Against the Machine. Uh, I do think that Wollstoneholm had a lot of that sort of rage and rush and a lot of bands that played with their sound to make it bigger than it was. Yeah. It seems like you kept going back to rage. I kept going back to rush. I mean, the obvious ones, Queen, Radiohead, they've all, they've been compared to them through their whole career. I picked out one yeah. that I'm like... Oh, I hear some Our Lady Peace in here. Oh, yeah. I'll have to go back and check that out. Not top to bottom, but there are I spots. I can see it. Yeah. Even like some Weezer. I hear a little tiny bit of Weezer in spots. A line or a, a little movement. I'm like, God, man, that sounds really familiar. Nerdy 90s alt rock. kind yeah. of. Yeah. And I'm like just yeah. trying to pull out like, okay, what, who is this reminding me of? And those are two that kind of I was able to, to get my hands on. I'm rolling with it. Never mind the Bullocks Award. It's definitely not by far their best album. In fact, yeah, I agree. it's probably my favorite album of theirs. I'm not calling it their best. I do think Absolution is their best album. But I also... Like you said, I like Drones more than most people did. Yeah, I love that album. But going back to the Queen Greatest Hits argument, I'm not sure if I love that album 
because of the whole album or because there are some tracks on there that are just monsters. There are a couple on that album that I do not like. Right. Yeah. I, because I, there are, there are some, there's, there's Reapers, there's Psycho. Reapers uh, I so love good. JFK and the Defector, but there are, there are some, yeah. I'm not going to name them out. There's some on here that I'm like, fuck you. That's bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Black Holes and Revelations. I think that is... If I had to pick their top album, that's it for me. Gotcha. That's a really good album, too. John Paul Jones Award. I said that I wouldn't replace anyone. However, I would tell Bellamy to be a little less whiny, a little more angry. <laughs> that's... <laughs> so I was going to replace Bellamy's vocals from that time with some more of his voc his, his current, current vocals. Current vocals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to replace the all of the music. He has matured as a vocalist. His vocal approach is just so much more refined Very now. Much more. Teach him young award. What I'm gonna give them newborn. I thought that was a great intro. Not their greatest, but it just got the job done for me it was a very muse track yeah. they, the whole band worked really it is well very together muse. it starts with the piano and matt yeah good little guitar solo in there i said plug in baby that opening guitar riff with that opening bass coming in it's muse man john popper award for best hook i said the same exact thing i said plug in baby it's one of my yep. favorite guitar riffs that i've heard so same track but for a different reason for me, it's the chorus, the biggest sing-along chorus on the whole yes. album for me. Have you seen him do that song live? No, haven't. People I sing to awesome. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John Prine Best Lyric Award. Did you? Bellamy has always been, at first I liked it, now I find it annoying as shit. He's always been very broad strokes, political, post-apocalyptic, this is why the world's going to end, but then he doesn't give you any fucking... The it's so broad. Yeah. I think we're going to talk about that more when we do his new al their new album. <laughs> their new album? Yeah. Uh, okay, I found it. For one moment, I wish you'd hold your stage with no feelings at all, open-minded. Sh I'm sure I used to be so free. Yeah, that's good. Citizen erased. Mine is peace will arise and tear us apart and make us meaningless again. He's got good words. <laughs> Eddie Van Halen. I couldn't say the baseline again in Plug and Baby. I've said Plug yeah. and Baby too much, so I said the baseline in Hyper Music. Ooh. awesome uh, it what, is. what about you evil i got to citizen erased at one point i'm like this might be my favorite track on the album then i get to dark shines and i'm like i dig the ennio morricone vibes at yes. the beginning which they they did in the globalist later even mm -hmm. more on the nose good groove another top track for me and then the last track plays futurism and i'm like nope this is the one the guitar on that song is the sweet spot for me yes That was it. That wins it for me. Towards the end, it really starts to trail off for me. He gets super self-indulgent when he starts oh, yeah. going into his slow stuff. And then futurism just rocks right back into their riff yep. stuff. And mm -hmm. it makes it that much better. 
Surfer Rosa Award. This is a very, very first half of the album heavy, but there are like two ending tracks that I love. Yeah. But I do definitely think that there's, this would be like a 12 out of 10 album if I was just rating the first six songs on this album. (laughs) It was more up and down for me. The first half is a little more weighted than the second half. Like I, like Megalomania was kind of a throwaway for me. Screenager was fine, mm-hmm. but it felt more like a, an interstitial track. Oh, oh, I have a question for you. What's that? What is your thoughts on the Feeling Good cover? Hate it. Yeah. As you're about to find out in the Time of Your Life Award. <laughs> oh my God, I jumped the gun. Okay. So uh, my Time of Your Life Award, <laughs> the cover, Feeling Good, I fucking hate it. I don't, I don't like it. I think it doesn't belong on this album. I think it's boring. I don't know why they did it. I'm mixed. I have mixed <laughs> feelings on it. It's a very Muse version of the song. Uh-huh. So I like, I like that they did their take on it. Yeah. At the same time, I'm like, why is this on here? Exactly. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't. If it was like a standalone song for a soundtrack or for some compilation, sure. It feels very out of place. Megalomania is my least favorite. It just did nothing for me. Me neither. It's an okay, like, people always have to have their weird cinematic ending. They're British. (laughs) That's I'm like, this is the most British song on here. (laughs) So I'll, I'll give it to them. Evil, what are the three best songs on this album? My number one is Futurism. I could tell. Yeah, that's my top track. I don't know how to rank two and three, but they are Citizen Erased and Plug In Baby. Well, you and I, we owe a drink whenever I'm healthy because we have the same exact top three. My third is Futurism. My second favorite is Citizen Erased. And my first is Plug In Baby. Nice. They're great fucking songs. Those are the songs that would kind of build Muse's future. Yeah. Who won the album? I think I already kind of wore it on my sleeve, but Chris Wollstenholme to mm-hmm. me. Like, I, I, Bellamy's great. I love his songwriting, but Wollstenholme was doing things that other people can't do and didn't know how to do. Uh, you said it best. He makes Muse sound like Muse. Yeah. I mean, that... <laughs> That would be an easy ditto and it would call it good. But to be more interesting, I think Future Bellamy won this album. He has progressed as a vocalist so much from this. Proof of his improvement. Oh my God. It's like, <laughs> and it didn't take long either. Like you listen to stuff yeah. just like the next couple albums and it's already absolutely a big improvement. Yeah. All we have left to do is rate the album. Evil, what'd you give it? I'm giving it a seven out of 10. I think that's fair. It's for me, that's what it is. And I feel bad because it's like at the top of the tippy top of so many Muse fans lists. I don't dislike them, but it just, it feels like an incomplete version of who they are. I think that's fair. And I think when I gave this to you, I was expecting about a seven out of 10. So I think that works. Mm-hmm. I gave it an eight out of 10 overdone falsetto. It's yeah. It's actually for me, it's, it's not that far off from a 10 out of 10 because where I'm different from you is that there are songs on here that I think are fucking brilliant like i would put Mm -hmm. up there with their best songs ever i don't think you are in love with the songs of but i do think there's just a lot of maybe shouldn't have been on here that last listen where i was kind of rounding things off for for the podcast it was starting to kind of win me over a little bit so this album 
if I listen to it more, it, it could go up. I mean, honestly. You know what else I fucking hate that they don't? You can't even do anymore on Spotify. If a limited edition has come out with additional tracks, right, right, they don't have the original fucking I album. Know. I hate that. I yep. don't want the additional the tracks. additional stuff. You want the. Speaking Especially of which, for, should we yeah, start talking about our next album? <laughs> <laughs> that is Muse's Origin of Symmetry. We're halfway through. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. this episode I gave to you the album Blue Record by the band Baroness released October 13th the year 2009 it was produced by John Congleton so I like John Congleton he did stuff with what are they uh, explosions in the sky who did stuff for like Friday Night Lights and a lot of like soundtracky stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which makes a lot of sense sure. to me. <laughs> um, you know what? I didn't say it at the beginning of the last one, but I want to say it now. We got the rights for music to both these albums. Shut up. Yeah. Really? So thank That's you awesome. to, yeah, Relapse Label and Tracked Label. That's uh, badass. You're going to be hearing some baroness and some that's fantastic muse yeah so blue album okay before i ask you why you gave this to me i want to ask you (laughs) one question okay as a metalhead yes why do people now call everything sludge metal and why Uh, do people call this sludge metal do you think this is sludge metal what the fuck is sludge metal Uh, it's such a that's a blanket term for Stuff that's not thrash based, I guess. I don't know. It's an easy way to identify anything that has some sort of Sabbath influence in it. Gotcha. Anyone who plays orange amps and (laughs) boutique guitars and... Probably smokes weed. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you give me this album? I'm a big fan of this band. I love Baroness. Mm -hmm. And I've been listening to them for quite a while. They did a couple of EPs, heavier stuff. They have grown and progressed through their career. Their first LP was called Red Red Album. Album. Yeah. This one, Blue Record, followed by Yellow and Green, and then Purple, and then Golden Gray. The artwork is John Dyer Baisley, one of the guitar players and singer, does all of the artwork as well. He's just a super, super creative guy. The band has been through a few lineup changes. One came after a pretty severe tour bus crash in Europe. Where that was after like, this album, wasn't it? Yellow, Yellow and Green. And, yeah. I literally flipped a coin. I wanted to give you Red Album or Blue Record. I couldn't pick, so I flipped a coin. <laughs> Those two are, are an interesting pair. We'll see what you think about this one and 
either way, I think you should listen to the previous one at some point. Yeah, so I purposely didn't listen to any other Baroness. I just wanted to soak this one in. Yep. And then I was going to kind of yep. get your thoughts on what I liked and didn't like about this album. And then have you tell me yeah. gear towards this or gear towards this. This being their second album, you can tell that they're still trying to figure themselves out a little bit. Yep. Yep. A lot of experimenting, a lot of playing around with their own sounds, their vocals. I'll tell you what I fucking love is I love that this is a sort of concept album to where they start with themes. Mm-hmm. The very first song is just all music. There's no lyrics. And it's just a very simple guitar chord progression. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love. And then much like a concept album that you don't really get very often anymore, they build on those themes in three or four yep. songs subsequent. Yep. I love that. I've always loved that. I'm always going to love that. They do a great job of it. I also, I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, but from reading the lyrics and knowing where they're from, which they're from Georgia, right? Yeah. Yeah. Their lyrics... And it seemed like a concept album lyrically about the South and the Civil War and Mm -hmm. the problems and the alcoholism that the Civil War brought afterwards. I really, really loved that. Unless I am wrong, because it's also metal and you can never fully know what the fuck they're talking about. (laughs) I had an ulterior motive giving this to you. They're creative. John Dyer Baisley is heavily, sometimes impenetrably creative. I love the music, but lyrically, I sometimes don't know what the fuck is going on. And I need a second set of eyes to look at it. And gotcha. this isn't a band that you're that familiar with. I want you to come in and tell me what your interpretation of this is. Gotcha. This is like a Rosetta Stone moment here. <laughs> I mean, what do you think of this thing? So that's absolutely what I thought it was about. If I was just going off of me reading the lyrics, listening to the music, knowing where they're from, I absolutely feel like it is about a person being born. In, because here's the thing. As much as people want to make living in the South this black and white thing where you either have a Confederate flag up on your lawn or you don't, it's not that fucking simple. Right. These people's families, two generations ago, someone went through this shit. Mm-hmm. This is heavy duty shit where their entire lives changed and all of their families were killed. We try to turn it into into this simplistic thing and it's not what i got from this album is the shame of the civil war the pain of if you're from the south you're not allowed to recoup Mm. from the civil war because you were on the wrong side you were guilt by association exactly so you're not even allowed to mourn the loss of family members or things like that and i think because of that it leads to what you get in the South, which is meth addiction and alcoholism and Jake leg and (laughs) you know, all this sort of shit. Anytime that you give me an album like that, it's automatically at least a seven out of 10. It's just gonna, when an artist has themes that they actually give a shit about and they try to build a whole album around it, I'm going to love it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to absolutely love it. Tell me about the artwork. He does artwork for a couple bands? Yeah, he's done or- artwork for a ton of different album covers. Kylesa, he's done Pig Destroyer, all of Baroness's albums. Does he discuss meaning behind his art <sighs> or is it just left for interpretation? I think it's heavily left for interpretation. Stylistically, 
Pusshead, the artist who who yeah. is famous for Metallica t-shirts and has been forever. Who's yeah. from Boise, by the way. Um, I think you taught me that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just learned that this year. That blew me away. Also, Alphonse Mucha, kind of a Art Deco style artist from okay. during the century. So you take Pusshead and Mucha and blend them together and you get John Dyer Baisley's art. I have to imagine that thematically the stuff he includes in the covers, especially for his albums has something to do with what's going on inside the lyrics of those yeah. songs. What I haven't discerned is like the colors, why each album is named a specific color. That one doesn't... We should try to have him on as an artist. Yeah. Talk that, about your well, art. Absolutely. Yeah. There is a lot of good, like I said, there is a lot of kind of sophomore album stuff in here. So yeah. here, okay. <laughs> this is always going to be my beef with fucking metal albums is mm-hmm. the vocalist or at least one of the vocalists is so fucking one dimensional. And we just talked about mm-hmm. it with Bill Bellamy. That's Matt Bellamy. Like after a while of Bill Bellamy, <laughs> <laughs> shout out Bill Bellamy, yeah. MTV beach house or what, what did he do? Oh uh, <laughs> yeah. Matt Bellamy. <laughs> at least I'm not calling Sean Kenny Mike Inez anymore. Uh, <laughs> I said the same thing about Muse. You got to do something else with your singing, man. Yeah. Every time he comes in, you're getting that same growly, shouty, I want something different. Mm-hmm. And is it The Sweetest Curse, which is actually the first real song on this, mm-hmm. where they have the other vocalist coming in yeah. in the chorus? Yep. When they do that and they have that double dynamic, it sounds fucking great. Mm-hmm. I just, it gets <laughs> old. <laughs> I know. I, I get it. Metal vocals, the real harsh vocals. I understand how from the outside looking in, that's it's not most people's thing. It's growly, but it's not like over the top. No, it's not. Like, yeah, it's not growly. death metal. But it, it's also just kind of a one trick pony too. Yeah. I don't think that's working to their benefit because musically they seem very, very smart. Yeah. It's an intelligent album. There are mm-hmm. parts of this album that are very musically smart. Initial chord choices are fantastic mm-hmm. and they make it so easy to work with because when you do have those underlying things come back and they're louder and they're more triumphant, that thing clicks on in your brain where you just, I don't know what that does to your brain, but it is scientific and it definitely- You said the word that makes me love this album. It's triumphant. This album is, if I had one word to describe it, it's that. Evil wants songs that you're going to ride on a horse into battle to. (laughs) And and this album has like four of them. Yeah. Maybe this is where the sludge metal thing comes, but they are extremely heavy handed. I think Mm. that that works to their benefit. There are certain parts and songs, and maybe it's because of the producer, they start trying to do the kind of explosions in the sky shit towards the end where they're starting to experiment and they're starting to change the time signatures. And all of a sudden there's a chord change and they're doing these kind of dissonant minute with them having such a heavy hand with their sludgy guitar, so there you go, yeah. their orange amp guitars, <laughs> it just doesn't really work that well for me on mm-hmm. specific traps like towards the end of Or Hell and Hide, which is very Mastodon. Very, that's probably the most Mastodon track on on the album. The reason I can't get past it is you were kind of talking about this with the last album, but 
there is a guitar riff in or hell and high that it sounds like it's taken straight from the wolf is loose mm-hmm. by Mastodon straight from it. <laughs> but that's the only part of one of their songs. I heard parts that were very Mars Volta and I heard parts that were very mm-hmm. Mastodon. I even shout out to cave I heard a little incubus part in one of the songs. Ooh. Steel that sleeps the eye when they kind of break into the little guitar riff. Yep. It's not dirty guitar, but you can hear there's some sort of wah pedal thing going on. They have a lot of good influences or inf- I don't know with Mastodon. Yeah. Mastodon is way before them, right? Not way. Uh, n- not way, but okay. before them, for sure. I love Mastodon. I love Mars Volta. I love old Mastodon. I love Mars Volta. I, you yeah. know, they do the same thing in a horse called Golgotha. Mm-hmm. If you break that song down to, we'll say, seven parts, I love six of them. But then in the middle, suddenly they change to major and the guy's singing his, mm. you know what part mm-hmm. I'm talking about, like the verses. Yeah. It throws me out of the whole song. What are your thoughts on the build of this album, the themes and that sort of thing? I'm biased because I've loved this album for a long time. This has great and reviews. A lot of yeah, big yeah. articles calling this top 20 greatest metal album of all time. I know. That's another reason I wanted to give it to you because I, I wanted to see if that tracked. I have heard so many different people talk about this album. It's all so different across the board. Mm. There's no consensus on this band and especially this album. I don't know, man. I've lived with it for so long that I've heard all of them. And at this point, I don't know what's my opinion versus what somebody else's opinion. I gotcha. I remember the first time I heard someone reference Skinner and Allman Brothers influence. And I'm like, what? And then I listened to it again. I'm like, oh yeah, there it's in there. I would say that this was the first time where I heard a metal metal album where I remember thinking like, oh yeah, this is a little Southern. It's very Southern. Deep South rock roots are, are in here. It's Absolutely. very subtle, but it's there. Here's the good thing about this album for people listening to this. If you like the first, we'll say three and a half minutes of this, you're going to like this album. Yeah. If you don't, you're not. <laughs> Because those are the themes that you're going to get through the album. Mm-hmm. I like albums like that. I really do. Much like you with Origin of Symmetry, I need more time with this album. As you'll see as we do the awards and categories, the important part of this album are that you have to like the themes if you're going to like the album. And I really yeah. like the themes. Glad you gave this to me. This is another refreshing last year I got to find Gojira. This year, I get to find Baroness. I think you'll be interested in checking out their catalog, digging back a little bit, and probably more so digging forward. Let's do some awards and categories. Let's do it. For me, for Mr. Not Metal, I just said that this is refreshing for metal. Yeah. It doesn't beat you over the head. It's not the death screams every time. They let their, and once again, I I give a lot of props to their producer. They let the musicality do a lot of the heavy lifting in this, Mm -hmm. which I love. Usually with metal, if somebody is being instrumental, it's because they are showing off. Thank you. Yeah. I didn't want to say it, but yes. And this is not that at all. No, that's, (laughs) I'll say it. Oh, what about you? It's so densely artistic, yeah. almost in an uncompromising way. It makes it kind of hard to approach. I like that. That makes me more interested. Why in A Horse Called Golgotha did they do this weird solo that makes no sense yeah. and it sounds like yeah. the production was fucked up? Yeah. 
Like, why? What made them make that choice? Because they did. They made that choice. Yeah. Those little things get hooks in me, paired with the artwork and the weird lyrics, and it's just good music. And so... I really dig that, and I thought you would enjoy or at least appreciate that about it as well. I definitely, definitely, even when I wasn't enjoying the songs, I was appreciating what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> Overrated, underrated, or properly rated evil? For me, properly rated because it, it was very well received, and I thought it yeah. was amazing. They've kind of grown and built their career over the years, and I don't know if it is as well-liked by the broader Baroness fans as it was by like me when it day one when it came out gotcha. I don't know going and looking at the ratings and and the reviews they were glowing so I would say mm -hmm. properly and then how big are they currently they released they're pretty busy so they've got to have something in the pipeline yeah they're working on a sixth studio album that was supposed to come out early this year ah but I'm guessing that COVID may right. that stalled. influences, influencees. I have, like I said, right. Mastodon. I heard some sleep in yeah, there, yeah. kind of the stoner metal-y kind of thing. Uh, yeah. I heard Faith No More oh, yeah. a couple times. All of what you said, like there's obvious, grew up in the same area as Mastodon, so you can pull in all of the stuff that led up to Mastodon. Yeah. They, of course, were fans of Metallica. They were fans of Sabbath. Where They were fans of all of that metal before they filtered it through the South. That's what is one of their most unique qualities. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting because to your point, you hear that in like Southern stuff, like corrosion of conformity. Sure, you can hear it in that kind of stuff, but not in this more heavier extreme style. Yeah. Uh, never mind the Bullocks Award. I think this is by far the best album of theirs that I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> what is this your favorite Baroness album, Evil. Oh, Red and Blue are my, the pair of them are my favorite. But they, I don't want to take away from Purple's a genius album. Musically, man, they are on point still. But I, to this day, this era is my favorite. I can't, I can't pick between those two albums though. Gotcha. John Paul Jones Award. When I did Matt, not Bill Bellamy, <laughs> I said that I would tell him to be a little less whiny and a little more angry. Now, for John Baisley, yeah. I would tell him to be a little less angry and a little more whiny. <laughs> yeah, a little more whiny, which he gets that way throughout the career. So you might like some of... Yeah, oh, you there might. you go. I'm going to do an opposite thing. I really like their second guitar player, Pete. Pete Adams on here. Mm -hmm. He is the spirit of this album to me. If you watch him in interviews, he just lives to play triumphant music and he eventually left the band and they've replaced him. And I wish he would have stuck around. Teach him young award. This wasn't one of my favorite, but I still thought it was the most complete just as one song. And I said, Jake leg. Yeah. It's kind of a crazy, I didn't know that it was like a Jake leg is something that people got. <laughs> post-Civil War, pre-Prohibition, yep. people would have improperly ferment their alcohol and they would end up getting poisoned <laughs> by it. And then you would literally have like lame have limbs. The Jake and, leg. And they'd call it Jake leg. <laughs> fucking crazy yeah i know yeah teach them about jake leg don't do alcohol kids you get poisoned and your legs don't work evil what about you if i wanted to introduce somebody to this band i think a horse called golgotha is a very baroness song it's also kind of like the centerpiece of the album yeah i'll go with that yeah, yeah. what's the best 
hook. I have one, but it kind of gives away some stuff. Um, <laughs> the chorus to Jake Leg is pretty catchy. It is. Course. Yeah. Mine is, and I guess, well, I've already given it away, so it doesn't matter, but mine is the beginning, the guitar part and bullhead mm, song. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. theme is amazing. It's a great hook that just keeps coming and coming and coming. John Prine Award for Best Lyric loved a couple lines. This was my favorite, though. Savior, forever threadbare, and faded, drunken, and arcane, curse the day. Mm. That's a very, he has a lot of what the fuck are you saying lines, (laughs) but when you can figure it out, it's, it's good stuff. There definitely is a lot of alcohol involved in his lyrics for sure. Mine is exercise the family demons stallions on the eider down. And you have to look up and figure out what eider down is. Eider down is duck down. It was also used in like duvet comforters. (laughs) Stallions on the eider down. Exercise the family demons. Stallions on the eider down. Deep stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Eddie Van Halen Award. What do you got, Evil? You stole this whole thing from me. It's that theme that plays out through the whole album. Because you you start with Bull's Head Psalm, and then I'm even going to throw the gnashing into this too. Mm -hmm. The, The beginning of the gnashing, that really gentle guitar and how it builds, and then... the reprise of the theme in Bull's Head Lament where it like builds to the crescendo at the end. That's, yeah. man, how satisfying is that? Stuff. I said, so I talked about a horse called Golgotha, about how there are so many parts that I love in it. It's hard when a metal band does this because there's like seven different sections of the song, mm-hmm. but there is a part where multiple guitars kick in at the same time and they are doing a downward scale. We've talked about it before. It's like the classic chords that Hotel California does, where it's just this chromatic scaling downward. Harmonizing with each other. It's really fucking awesome. I love that part. Right on. Surfer Rosa Award. I think it blends well all the way through. Mm -hmm. He or they pretty painstakingly went through to see how it would flow well. And I think they did a really good job of it. There was definitely no part in studying for this. So I was like, man, I really like the last half of this album more. Anything like that. They're very mindful in the way they put together their songs and, and how things flow. I don't always like it, but this album I do for sure. Time Your Life Award. Here's what I said. I said Or Hell and Hide Mm -hmm. because I really did hear a lot of themes that I thought were ripped off from other people. Mm -hmm. One of the big ones that I mentioned was The Wolf is Loose by Mastodon, Or Hell and Hide. The Wolf is Loose by Mastodon. That came out four (laughs) years after this did. I apologize to Baroness fans. I'm reversing it. 
Mastodon fucking riffed off Baroness. <laughs> <laughs> what is your worst song on the album? I don't think I could pick one. You hated them all equally. I hate them all. They're the worst. <laughs> Um, there's like interstitial stuff in here, but it's, it should be, it's where it's supposed to be. It's mm-hmm. not like, it doesn't feel like filler. Yeah. I don't have a all right a time of your life on here. So I will start with my three best songs on the album and you're going to see a theme because of the theme, the themes, all of this theme. This is how much I loved this theme. My third favorite song in this album is Bullhead's Lament. The last song that really throws all those themes together Mm -hmm. in kind of a finalized format. My second favorite is Bullhead Psalm, which is the first song which really introduces you to these themes. It's just a beautiful guitar part that I could listen to over and over and over. And then my first favorite is the song where they take these themes and they just perfectly climax, bombast them. And that is, and I can't pronounce it, Ogie Cheese Hymnal. <laughs> We're going to say that's how you pronounce it. They take all those themes that they've been kind of playing around with. And this is when it's really top of the mountain. I absolutely love it. Evil. What are your three favorites? I I love that you picked those. (laughs) That's, that's awesome. My number three is Jake leg. It just, it's so weird and almost comical. It's cool though. Then you dig into the lyrics and you, yeah, right. Yeah. And dark, super dark soup. There's like layers to it. It's one of the sing-alongs on here. A Horse Called Golgotha. It's the centerpiece of the album. That's my number two. One of my favorite songs of theirs, but my favorite song on here is The Gnashing. Okay. The buildup in that song, how nuanced and almost like tender and gentle it is in the beginning to what they build up to. They are a very deft set of musicians to be able to pull that off. Yeah. Evil, who won the album? The evil Jimmy won this album. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, yeah, he, he really did. did. I, <laughs> I still love this album. There are a lot of bands who will put out an album or a pair or, or a trio of albums that I just kind of group together. Red and Blue for me from these guys, I can't separate. It's a memory for me of finding this band that just blew me away. Yeah. Thank you, Baroness, for doing that. <laughs> I'm going to say they won. Baroness won. Mm. This, I mean, looking at the reviews, this pop shit off for them. Yeah, people love this fucking album. Which leads us to rating the album. What do we rate it? I will go first. I gave it 8 out of 10. Fish nice. and eggs and naked women. <laughs> I want to understand that cover. I don't. Someday I will. We'll have to have him on to talk to us about it. It's a great album. I still, it's a lot like Origin of Symmetry, actually. I see a lot of flaws on it. When I listen yeah. all the way through, but I overall I fucking love it. Nice, um, evil. What about you? I'm gonna pair it with its buddy Red Album. They That's are, I, I know, but together they're ten out of ten Jake Lakes for me. Wow. Yeah, I love this music. Uh, <laughs> It's not perfect. And that's what I like about it. There's, it's like warts and all. I think there are a lot of times where they don't play with a click track, which is yeah. super rare because yeah. you do hear the change in timing. Mm-hmm. You don't really hear much since the nineties. No. Like you don't get that anymore. And I do. Yep. I like that. Yeah. I'm glad you gave this one to me. Awesome. It was fun to listen to. I was scared when you first gave me a metal album, but this is 
<laughs> this isn't, this is different. Yeah, it is. I tried to pick something that I thought would be, if you didn't like it, at least interesting for you. It definitely worked. That is it. That's our episode this week. We did a pretty good job. Bad. Join us next week. Rachel and I are doing a band dissection. We're going to try to go the distance. We're going to go for Oof. speed. Rachel's going to be all alone in her time of need. Is she going to be wearing a short skirt and a long jacket? <laughs> if not, be. her fingernails better shine like justice. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. She did just get a new car, but she did not. Is it a Chrysler or LeBaron? <laughs> she, did, she did not trade her. Uh, what what trading her? Traded her something for a Chrysler LeBaron. No, she yeah, got like a yeah. fucking Volvo. <laughs> Evil. Thank you for doing a uh, surprise attack surprise. album exchange with me. Yeah, it was enjoyable. That was fun. I will see you in a couple weeks to do another quick fire. Some more muse. Yeah, we got to listen to the will of the people. The will of the will of the. The beautiful. Uh, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, good night and good luck. <laughs>